as I stand before you this morning, I, I tremble, not because of you, not because I'm nervous, but because there, there's a truth in God's word that has been bothering me for a while. And that truth is, before too long, and I'm not sure, for some of us it only may be a few weeks, a few days, others 50, 60 years, but the truth is we will stand before God, Jehovah, Yahweh himself, the creator of the universe. And there's only two ends to our life. Either we go left or we go right. Now, we may own a place. We may own a car. We may own a truck. We may own many things. Our place can be, taking, can be taken out of our grasp in 15 seconds. It can be gone. Our truck, we can total our truck and it'll be gone. So really, the, the things that perish, the, the things that we call earthly things on this earth are not ours. I mean, we have them in our, in our possession at the time, but they don't belong to us. But there's only one thing that we have that can never be snatched away. And that's the truth of God's Word. And that's why I believe this morning that it is so important that we look into God's Word and see what God's Word says. Because they can even take our life. Our life isn't even ours. But the truth of God's Word they can never take. It stays forever. So I think it's very important that we look at what God's Word says because we will be judged by what? God's Word. We will be judged by the truth of God's Word. So I think it's very important that we look into God's Word and see what is truth. Now, this is the first time I ever teach in a Bible school setting. And if you would have looked at my life six years ago, where I came, came from, and where the Lord has brought me to, it's nothing but a total miracle that I stand here. And that's not just me. I know many of your, your lives, and actually everyone that is born of the Spirit of God, it's a miracle. Now I know some of you, but not, not so many. The subject that I was asked to... <laughs> well, before, before we start... <clears throat> Would you once again stand, stand with me? Would you stand for, to, to pray? I don't like to start before I pray. <coughs> Lord, you see us this morning. You not only see us, but somehow in the silence of this room, you're in our midst. Lord, in the silence, we ask you to speak. Move in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We know that you did not come in, in, in an earthquake or a fire or in the wind, but you came 
in the still small voice, in the voice of silence. And Lord, there's many things in our lives that we think is right and is, is, is okay, but in our human flesh, we're sometimes blinded. And this morning, Lord, I invite you to go into my heart with the searchlight of heaven and search my heart and see if there be any wicked ways in, in my heart. And I pray that you would do, do that to every individual here this morning and everybody that is under the sound of my voice. Father, there is, n- there is nothing that we desire more than to magnify and to glorify and exalt you. Would you this morning, as you already have, continue to bless us with your presence and hover over us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, the Almighty God. We pray in the, ble- in the name of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. <clears throat> There's a song that I would like to sing. I don't know. Can you see that from, from where, where, you're, where you're sitting or not? How many of you know this song? Great. Nobody knows, knows this song. Well, it's not hard. This is an, 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 an easy song. Dale Heisey was at our church here about a year or two ago, and we had this song there as a theme, theme song. And it has, it has moved me, because the meaning of this, the, the, the message in this song is why we are here. It's because of the Pilgrim Church. The church of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God that God established upon the earth. That is why we are here. The same kingdom that is in heaven is here. And you and I are instruments in that kingdom. Jesus' message was not go and get get people saved. That's part of the kingdom. Jesus message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand if you become if you if you become part of the kingdom you will be saved but that wasn't his focus his focus was to build his church and let's sing sing the song it's a very very easy song <clears throat> Far down the ages now, much of our journey done, the pilgrim church pursues her way until the crown be won. No Tribulation, ages since. 
slacker grows the fight no feebler is the foam nor less the need of armor tried of shield and spear and Six. Listen to, to the words. Still faithful to our God and to our captain true. We follow where he leads the way, the kingdom That's the reason why we're here. We follow where he leads the way, the kingdom in our view. <clears throat> now, I was asked to share um, this week on a topic that I have been studying on. Uh, by the way, is this my water or is this for someone else? Or? All right, thank you, because I, I, I sort of have a scratchy throat. Um. I was asked to share a, a, a topic that has changed the way I read scripture. And the reason I picked this song for our theme song, and we, we will be singing this song every, every day, every morning, is because at the end, by, by Thursday and Friday, I hope you will be able to see what I mean by the kingdom in our view. Establishing the kingdom upon the earth. Now, I was asked to share a topic called Hebrew culture. Now, I study the Jews a lot because for the simple reason, Jesus was a Jew. Every author in the Bible, except one, was a Jew. The Bible was written to Jews to start to, to, to start with, and then also to the Greeks. And there are ways that the Jews have and how they think and how they live and how they ha, their life as gin in general. There are ways that they have that we miss, and it's not wrong. It's not wrong to take the Bible out of context in its East in the Western culture that we're in and put it in practical, everyday applications. That, that can be done. But there are, some, there are some insights into the Bible if we understand how Jews think, what they taught, and why they taught this at the present time. Now, I will be speaking, hopefully, on Herod some. Uh, I'm not sure which day, day yet. But there's a reason why Matthew quotes... In the days of Herod the king, 
Jesus was born. There's a reason why he puts those two names side by side. Okay, that's what I want to do is look into the Jewish culture and see, see why did they teach, why did they use some of the terms that they used. But before we do that, I want to, what, what, what they call the, the Shema, the Jewish Shema, it's taken out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's nothing more than the law. Then, uh, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all, all, all your mind. And then I added, and your neighbor as yourself, because that was Jesus' message. Um, can you see, see that? I should have put that on a white. That's sort of hard, hard to see. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't. Um, but this is he Hebrew. If you would, stand again. Alright? Stand. Jews never, ever, ever sit when God's word is read. I mean, God's word, you always stand. Now, I will say the, 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 the Hebrew and you say it at, after me. Now, don't be afraid if your neighbor hear, hears you. Because the reason you say it is so your neighbor hears you. I mean, you say it because that's your heart. You want to proclaim to everybody who hears you and to your own heart and to God Himself that this is the reason you study Scripture. They never study Scripture before they say, say, say this. <clears throat> say it after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Araheinu. Adonai Achad. Ve'yahavta et Adonai Eloecha v'cho lavavcha uv'cho nafshecha uv'cho meodecha ve'yahavta reyacha kamocha. Amen. Now say the English after me too. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Thank, thank you. Now, there are two ways of thinking. There are two ways, yeah, in our everyday life. Now, there's probably a lot more than that, but there's two ways that <coughs> really, really c c come out in Scripture. There's two ways of thinking. And I, this morning, this week, I will, I will label that as Eastern thinking and Western. Now, if I want to think Western... Well, which is how you and I think. We like big words. We like words that define. We like words that have nice meanings. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. That is very good. 
But that is totally Western. That's not Eastern thinking. Eastern thinking is, okay, if, if, if we want to study, let's say we want to study a rabbit, okay? We want to see how his, how his heart works, you know, that little bag that his heart sit, sit, sits in, you know, and there, be, 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 between his intestines and his vital area, there's sort of a wall in, in there. Well, we, we want to study that. So we catch the rabbit, and we slice him open, and we study this, and we understand, you know, we, it's amazing how God created this rabbit. And then we, after about an hour of studying him, we put the rabbit back together and throw him in the trash can, and we know everything about a rabbit. That's Western thinking. Eastern will never kill that rabbit. An Easterner will leave that rabbit in his hole. And he will sit by his hole and watch where he goes to feed. He will watch what he eats. He will see how far he hops. He leaves the rabbit in his context. Okay? He doesn't remove him. That's Eastern. Westerners take the rabbit out of his living room and bring him into their house and study him. They remove him. And we do that sometimes with the Bible. We take scripture out of context and try and apply it. And I'm not saying that all in all that that's wrong because it, it, it's not. We, there's, I, I believe that the African who don't even know where Israel, where Israel is on the planet earth, he can understand scripture and live a victorious life. And be a mighty warrior for Jesus by the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. And you don't need to understand this. But there's so much insight in this. Once you understand how the Easterners think. Okay, let's just, uh, a, a, few, a few examples here. Where was Jesus born? Does anybody know? I and mean, we, we, we should know. It's Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, the prophets prophesied that he will be born there. Okay, so he was born there. But what does the name Bethlehem mean? And if you know this, uh, just sort of play along for a while. What does Bethlehem mean? Okay, Bethlehem, Beth in Hebrew, is house of, place of. Lechem. Does anybody know? Lechem means bread. Okay? Bethlehem, the city means house of bread. Where was the bread of life born? In Bethlehem. Scripturally, by how they, how, how they think, he couldn't have been born anywhere else. Because he was born in Bethlehem in the house of bread. Now, <coughs> he was born, not in the snow and cold, but he was born and laid into a manger. Now, this is where we get all our ways of thinking here in the, in the United States. We get from Europe. And the scene that you see, see with old men, long beards of shepherds with hook, hook staff and in a, a million dollar barn with, with golden straw and 
every animal on planet earth is there, that is totally not the culture he was, he, he was in. You never take, in, in, in Israel you don't have hay. You take the animals to the grass. You bring water to the animals, but you don't take, bring hay to the animals. You take the animals to the grass. Okay? And in a sheepfold, a lot of sheepfolds have wells. Okay? And the sheepfold is where the sheep come for the night. Now, every Jewish scholar, and not just, just Jewish scholars, but says, and it fits perfect, that Jesus, and, and by every well, by every well that, that they have, is a little, is a rock, hewn out there's a I'm sorry I'm not sure what's up with this there's a rock as you can see there's a well right back there and there's a rock up here in front they have hewn out it's like a little water trough okay that they pull up the water out of the well and pour the water into the water trough and they, to this day, the, 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 the Bedouin families that still live, live there still call that water trough a, a manger. And everybody that studies Jewish history and Jewish culture says that Jesus was not laid into a bed of hay, rather into a water... I mean, he was in a sheepfold by a well, laid into a water trough. Now, where was the water of life laid into? What I'm doing now is I'm, I'm giving examples. I'm trying to lay a foundation this morning for the rest of the whole week. That the Jews, the Easterners, the Bible is an Eastern book, and they think context. It's everything you can taste, touch, smell, and see. Okay, let me ask you this. God is, and here, here again, I, I was here a little over a year ago, and I did done this, so, so, so some of you know what's ha happening here. But God, finish these sentences for me. God is love, life. God is holy. God is just, God is righteous, omnipotent. I mean, he's all that. But that is totally, totally Western. You did not say one Eastern answer. Everything was Western. Now cl cl close your eyes, those, that you, the, those of you that haven't at this point already. Close your eyes <laughs> and tell me. Okay, everybody close your eyes. Now, God is holy. Now, tell me what you see. God is just. God is righteous. God is omnipotent. Now, open your eyes. Most, you didn't see anything because those aren't picture words. Those are words that define. I could go to any Jewish school, even in New York City, to the Jewish schools there, and I could ask any five-year-old Jewish boy, God is, and the first thing he'll say is, God is a rock. God has eagle's wings. God is my shepherd. 
God is living water. All things you can taste, touch, smell, and see. Now, there's nothing wrong with God is holy. God wants us to know He is holy. But God is an Eastern, excuse me, God came to an Eastern group of people. And God worked through them. And God thinks Eastern. That's how I think. I mean, because He was, (laughs) because that's how God, God worked. Now, tell me, Tell me if he didn't, why did he cause, cause, why did he cause Jesus to be born in Bethlehem? He wanted the Jews to see picture. Because they thought in that way. Why was he laid into a water trough? Now, let me do one other thing. Nazareth. What does Nazareth mean in, in, in Hebrew? What? Nazareth. Netzer means shoot. Netzer means shoot. Nazareth is shootville. Okay? Shootville. Isaiah says, a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. Now, a certain, a certain sect of people from the line of David said that the prophets prophesied the Messiah will come through us. And they were right. So they decided to start their own little city. Now, this is a true Jewish... This is... If you go into studying Jewish history, this is the history you'll find of the city of Nazareth. They decided to start this city because God, through Isaiah, prophesied that the Messiah will come through them. And they decided to call it Shootville. Because that prophecy of the shoot will be through them. So they were waiting. Jesus, God told... Joseph, when he left Egypt, to go back into, into Galilee and go into the city of Nazareth to fulfill the prophecy that he shall be called a Nazarene. But nowhere can I find a prophecy that prophesies he will be called a Nazarene. Only prophecy that I find is that he will be a shoot out of the stump of Jesse and that sect of people, line of David, decided to start their city and call it Nazareth. And I think God played right into that. Because he said that his prophesied he shall be called a Nazarene. He should be called the shoot. So go to Nazareth. Okay, now they know their scripture so well. And please, I have, I have Jewish friends and I don't take their side in any way, shape, or form. Because if you don't come to the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's no other way to the Father. I mean, that's, there's absolute, and they, they say he was a good man, he was a prophet, but he was not the Messiah. And I talk with them and I, I, uh, <coughs> I try to explain that, you know, that he, he was. But even though they are wrong in that, they have a heritage... 
and a culture that I get so excited with when I study it because that's the culture the Bible came out of, okay? Jesus one day was heading, he was going up to to Jerusalem, his final time. And he went south of, of the Dead Sea. I may have a map here. And I'm not sure whether, uh, can we see right or not? It's not even on there. Um, he went south of, of no, south of, of, of the Sea of Galilee. He went down the Jordan River. And there was a city of, of Jericho. Now, if you read in, Bible, in the Bible, it says about every time, it speaks about Jerusalem, it says they went up to Jerusalem. They went up to Jerusalem. They went up to Zion. They went up. If they're coming away, it's always say they came down from Jerusalem. Now, why they say that is Jerusalem sets on a mountain range. High. And every way to it is up. Now, even though they had to travel way south, they still had to go up. So Jesus turned right by the Jordan River and went through Jericho. Bible says he set his face going up to Jerusalem. Now he went through this town and there was a blind man there and I, I believe mobs of people fo- fo- followed him as he went through, through, through there because his fame was spread abroad and folks wanted to kill him but yet his, his teaching was so attracting because it was it was so, it, it filled their, their spirits. They loved it, but yet they were afraid of some of the scribes and the Pharisees. And, it was, and Jesus came through these, through, through these cities and he attracted mobs. And there was a blind man. And by the way, I'm, keep, keep that, the Nazareth story still in mind. Okay? There was a blind man sitting by the wayside begging. And Jesus and his 12 Havarim, his, his d- disciples, came after him. And a whole mob of people. They were walking and the blind man said, Hey, hey, what's this noise I hear? What's this stir all about? And somebody said, Shh, it, it, it's, it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. You look in scripture what that blind man said. Son of David, have mercy on me. How did that man know that Jesus was the son of David? He knew his scripture. Because the shoot will come out of Nazareth, and Nazareth was out of the line of David. And as soon as he heard that Jesus was from Nazareth, he knew he was... That's how they know, they know their scripture. Now, <coughs> one other, I have a bunch of them here, but another example of Eastern thinking is, can you see, that's an olive tree up on the left. Those are Green olives on the right, and there's some there picking. There's olive oil on the bottom. That's their number one farming there. And 
they use that olive, that that olive oil to to uh, uh, anoint. I mean, well, they use it for other stuff to burn in lamps too. But the most virgin oil they use to anoint. Now, and everybody that is anointed by olive oil, that action of anointing in Hebrew means Mashiach. That's what it, that's how, how you say it. It means Messiah. They are Messiahing him. Messiah simply means anointed. Okay? There were many Messiahs in the Jewish culture. Okay? But only one that they referred to as the, the Messiah. Anybody who was anointed with olive oil was a Messiah. But Jesus, well, let me show you this. This is an olive press. I don't know, can you see? This is an olive press up, up there. And you can see over on the right one how it's hewn out. And they put the olives in, in the bottom there where it's hewn out. Then they put a pull through the center like they have the one over here. They put a pull through the center and they tie a donkey or a slave uh, or whatever they have. And if it's a donkey, they blindfold him so he don't, don't, don't get dizzy. And if it's a slave, they pop his eyes out so he don't get dizzy. That tells us what Samson was doing. They popped his eyes out, but it says he was on a grain mill. But it was the same, same thing. He was tied to that, that post, going around in circles. Okay, and as they go around in circles, and the olive oil is there on the bottom, the, the olives, you can hear the, the pits, they pop, and the most virgin olive oil comes up to the top. Well, they scrape off that olive oil, and that's the oil that they keep for, for uh, 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 anointing. That's the most precious olive oil. Then they put the, the pulp, what's left, in burlap sacks, and you can't really see it here. On that one, there you can. If you look in the back, right where the pole goes into the wall, there's about 10 or 12 burlap sacks stacked on top of each other, filled with pulp. Okay? Then these ones out here are, they are uh, 800 pounds each, them rocks. And they are tied onto a pole, and the pole goes back in, into the wall and fastens into the wall. And those rocks weigh approximately 800 pounds each. And they tighten up those block and, and tackle things. And the weight goes on that pole, and it just totally crushes them olives in the back. And that olive oil comes out of the bottom as thick as, and golden as my thumb. I mean, just. It's, it is very, very nice. Okay, and they called that uh, olive press. And about all olive presses are in a cave or uh, underground because the olives have to be a certain temperature before they can be pressed right. So it has to be cool. So it's about always in an underground place. And they call that place of pressing... 
Gat, Shamanim in Hebrew. In English, we call it Gethsemane. Now, this may sort of stir, stir you, but I tend to believe that the garden Jesus went to was a garden with a Gethsemane in it. Because about every major olive garden had a Gethsemane. Now, our, the, it, I, I study this, and I think there's one place where the King James may give a hint that it was called, garden called, Gethsemane. Every other place, Matthew, then it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only one place in there that it, it hints at that. Every other place it says he went to a Gethsemane. He went to a Gethsemane. Okay? King James is the only translation that gives that little hint that the garden was called that. I believe there was a Gethsemane there. And Jesus, when he went to the city three times a year for, for, for the feast, he had to stay some, 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 somewhere. And there's a scripture in Luke twenty-two thirty-nine 39, and John 18, verse 1 and 2. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you those, those scriptures again. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Actually, I'll just re- read that. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine says, And he came out and went as was wont. W-O-N-T. Jesus came and came out of the city and went as was wont to the Mount of Olives. Now, what does want mean? That word want, what does that, that word mean? That word means accustomed. What was his normal practice? Don't tell me that Jesus stayed in the Gethsemane every time he was in the, in the, in the city. But that's what everybody says. All scripture points to Jesus staying when he was in, in, in Jerusalem in the Gethsemane of, of Mount of Olives. Bible says that as was his custom, he went to the Gethsemane. <coughs> now, I'm still trying to lay the foundation of think Eastern. Why did Jesus go, go there? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the Gethsemane, if he went over to the Mount of Olives. And I have a picture here of the Mount of Olives. And today, now that's the one side of, of, of the Mount of Olives. Today, that is the biggest cemetery in the world. Over 20 million people are, are, are buried there. And Josephus writes, that was the biggest cemetery in the world at, at that time even. So, there were thousands of people buried there. Now, the, 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 the Garden of Gethsemane, well, the Gethsemane, was to the left. You can see the olive trees on the left. From that side over is all olives. And the Gethsemane, 
uh, is, in, is in there. Right there it is. The Gethsemane would be over, over here to the right. Now, Jesus went there the final night. And Josephus writes that at the Peace, that the feast of Pat, Passover, there were two. Now, scholars think that Josephus exaggerates what he says. I mean, he is right on track as far as as his dates and and what 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 happened. But they but they feel that he exaggerates. But he writes that there were two hundred thousand lambs slain on the altar in the temple on Passover day alone. 200,000 lambs. Now imagine all that blood. And the Kidron River that runs between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives, there's a river that runs right between there. That river is the drain was the drain, to the altar. All the blood that they didn't sprinkle, they didn't use, ran out of the altar, down the valley, into the river. And there was no way you could go to the Mount of Olives without crossing it. Now, think Eastern. Jesus was trying to paint something here. Jesus left the city at night, and I don't know what his thought, thoughts were, but he knew he was going to die. And he was heavy. And I, I, I just, I, I, I sometimes wonder, what did Jesus' mind, what went through his mind as he came out of the eastern gate? As he came out of the eastern gate and looked down in the valley, and the Kidron River ran red with blood of the sacrifice of lambs. And then he looked over on the hillside and there was the world's largest cemetery. And I see Jesus walking down the side of the, of the mountain and coming to the, to, to the brook. And he lifted his pant, pant legs or his, his robe he lifted up his robe and stepped into the blood as he crossed. And I wonder what went through his mind. And as he stepped, it probably splashed up on his legs. And what went through Jesus' mind as he crossed that and came over to the Mount of Olives? And he went into the Gethsemane. And he went on further then into the garden and pray. And if you don't think that Jesus wants us to see this picture, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, verse 44. Jesus, now remember the olive pressing called Geth, Gethsemane. Luke chapter 24. Verse 44. And being in agony, 
He prayed more earnestly. Excuse me. Thank you. Luke 22.44. Luke 22.44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Jesus was at his, he, he was at his death door. He was going to die. And he had just come from the Last Supper. And as he crossed, he had blood on the bottom of his robe. And as he laid there, he was praying in agony. And it says that he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. As he was there praying in the garden, he's seen your sins and my sins, the sins of the world on him. And your sin and my sin pulled those block and, and, and tackles tight. And it pressed him. He was pressed just like you do in the garden in, in, in Gethsemane. That oil came flowing. His blood was pressed out of him because of your sins and my sin. And why did Jesus pick a place of pressing to do that? See, Jesus was trying to paint a picture of what he is like. The Bible is full of things like that. That he is the lamb. Well, that we, we understand that. He is the perfect lamb. But Jesus, in his agony, was pressed by my sin and your, your sin. He looked down through the ages and he seen us. And he chose a place, the only place that they ever pressed olives to do that. I don't know, am I making sense? I'm trying to lay a foundation for the other four. That the Jews think context. All stuff you can taste, touch, smell, and see. Joshua chapter 3 is the story of the children of Israel crossing the Jordan River. Now, the rivers in the ancient days, the Nile, um, they call Egypt the gift of the Nile because it floods every year. And I will, I will uh, touch m more on that uh, ho hopefully tomorrow. But the Nile River floods every year. They say the topsoil in the land of, of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, is over 100 feet deep. Because of every year it brings in more and more and more. And the Egyptians worshipped the, the, the Nile. That was, because that was their blood vein, the main artery into the land was the Nile. Now, the Jordan River, the children of Israel did not, did not worship. The, the Jordan River is always pictured as a river, as, as a barrier in life that needs to be crossed. You know, a lot of times we sing uh, crossing the, 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 the Jordan, meaning going from, from lost state, totally lost, sinful, into everlasting life. Crossing it's a barrier in life that needs to be crossed. 
Now, and here is, here is another, uh, uh, another example of thinking Eastern. The, the Canaanites, the ones that, that, that were over in Jericho and in the Promised Land, they worshipped a god by the name of Baal. Now, they worshipped many gods, but their main god was Baal. Now, Baal was the god of water, the god of floods, the god of lightning. And if you see him, if you see a drawing or a statue of Baal, he always has a lightning rod in his hand. Always does. Because he's the god of lightning, the god of thunder, the god of storms, and the god of rain. Okay? He makes the land to become fertile. Also some very immoral worship. But he was the god of, of gods. There was no gods above him. Now, and it says in Joshua chapter 3 that the Jordan River was at flood, flood stage. Now, the Jordan River floods two months out of the year, every single year. I stood on the banks of the Jordan River and it wasn't wider from here halfway back to the doors. But it was about four or five foot deep and flowing strong. I stood in it, but it, it was all I could do to stay, stay standing. But it wasn't wide. But two months out of the year, that river is, it floods. And then it becomes a wide, a wide river. The Jordan River is formed by three, three springs up north. Um, comes out of uh, Dan, out of the, the, out of the foot of Mount Hermon, and uh, Caesarea Philippi. Those three springs form the Jordan River. Now, <coughs> the, the Canaanites felt protected at that point in, in, in Joshua chapter 3, I'm sure, because they worshipped the God of gods, Baal. And he was the God of water, the God of flood, and the God of thunder. Now, I'm trying to, 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 to paint you a picture that God even thinks this way. Because God wants people to see what's happening here. So, and get, well, let's turn to it. Joshua chapter 3. Let's read it. <laughs> verse 14. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So start at verse 14. Let's read the whole story here. It says, And it came to pass when the people removed, Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. When the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the, the, the people. And as they that bear the ark came unto Jordan, the feet of the priests that bear the ark, now, okay, the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of water. For the Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. That the waters came down from a, that the waters which came down from above stood. The waters that was flowing, and it was at flood, flood, flood stage, and when the Jordan River is at flood stage, it's serious water. And it is. Because <clears throat> the river, I studied that, that this morning, and I didn't write it down because I was sure I would remember it, but now it's, it's gone. How many feet in elevation that the Jordan River drops from flowing out of the Sea of 
Galilee into the Dead Sea. It's major what it drops. It's a fast-flowing river. And put that thing in flood stage. You got something. (coughs) It says, And the waters which came down from above stood and rose up, rose upon and heap very far from the city. Let's go on, on down to... And the people passed right over against Jericho. They passed through. Now imagine, the waters that were flowing stopped. And it kept building up. Kept building up. The waters that was beneath them flowed away. And the ark, the priest that bore the ark, walked out in the middle of the, of the, of the, of the river and stood there. And waited until everybody passed. And then they came last. Okay, and it says that it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto, unto Joshua saying. But the, the, the point I, I want to bring out here is God waited. He, he could have told the, the, the children of Israel to cross the Jordan River ten other months. I mean, but God chose to wait until it was a flood, flood stage to get the children of Israel to cross and that in itself defied the very, the very nature of the myth of Baal. And God chose to do that to draw the Canaanites and the Israelites a picture saying that Baal, powered by Satan himself, is under my, my power. He has no, no power. And God could have said that. But He chose to do it through eastern eyes. And they understood that, that, the, that the, the myth of Baal against God just is, is gone. He has no strength whatsoever. Now, <clears throat> and here, here's something that I, I, I was challenged with as I was studying. The priests, the priests, and if you look, the Jordan River does not come up like out there, maybe five feet, it's, it's three foot deep. Then you come in, it's two feet deep. And it's, it's shallow where you can take a step and you're in it up to your a- a- ankles. That's not the Jordan River. Jordan River, right on the bank, you step in it, it's like three foot deep. I mean, it's, it, it just, and that's the way it is all, 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 all along. Now, there, there may be some sand, sandbars there, but right where they crossed, right on the other side of of, of Jericho, there is, it, it's very deep there. Now imagine the priests bearing the ark and having to put their heels in the water knowing if the water don't split there in water up to their shoulders. They put their heels in it and the moment their heels touch the water, it split. Now would have I, would have you and whoever is here, under the sound of my voice, if God calls us to do something, and we are sure it's God, do we have that faith of stepping out? God will work miraculously if we choose to trust Him. Choosing, trusting God is a choice. It's not something that comes 
just naturally. It's a choice that I have to make in my life. I dare to trust God. If I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll be a struggling, struggling man. Um, now, there's one other story there that is, comes right out of the Eastern context about uh, thinking Eastern. Jesus came down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, John, John the Baptist. And it says, and that whole story there, um, John chapter 3, let's turn to it. John uh, chapter 3. Okay. It's not right. I wrote that, that down, down wrong. But where Jesus was baptized, maybe it's Matthew 3. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Ma- Matthew 3, 13 through 17. <coughs> Sorry. Matthew chapter 3, 13 through, through, through 17. It says, Then cometh Jesus from, from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him. John said, No saying, I need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. Then verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, the early Christians, after Jesus, the the early church referred to the Spirit of God coming down upon Jesus. And it says, and lighting, how did it say? And lighting upon Him. They said, that the Holy Spirit, in a form of a dove, hovered over him. Didn't sit. Hovered over him. Okay? Come with me to Genesis. And Jesus came out of the water, and a kingdom of heaven was born upon the earth. The kingdom of heaven began. Jesus was baptized and come up out of, out of, uh, of the water. A new order. A new covenant. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the same Greek word, moved, hovered. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. The same thing that happened in Genesis 1, chapter 2, that the Spirit of God came and hovered over the chaos of the water, it was 
void and without form. The same thing happened in the Jordan River. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit came and hovered and a new creation was formed when Jesus stepped up. Not in Jesus, but a new creation was formed. His kingdom upon the earth was created. And that's a picture. And if you link the, if you link the baptism of Jesus and Him coming out of the water as a new creation, it fits perfectly back to when God created the earth. The same thing happened with the same Spirit. It's think Easter. It's in context. Now, all of the, all of the sermons that I heard about John, John the Baptist being baptized and, and uh, Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, that stuff is all true. But there's some insights in there that I think we miss if we don't... Because Jesus did not come to change the law, but to fulfill. Now, there's one other thing that I want to share. When's my time up? 10... 10.15, okay. Um, think Eastern. Standing stones. Now, you remember when I was, was some of you, that I, that was the burden of my heart that time about standing stones because that truth just came to me just before I, 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 I came. Here in Joshua chapter 3, where we were, we were reading about the children of Israel crossing the Jordan River, when the children of Israel came over to the other side, God said, I want 12 men, one man of each tribe, to stop in the middle of, of the river and pick up a big rock and, and, and tote that big rock across the river and set it on the other side and make a big pile. And the reason why was if children come along and ask, Dad, what, what, what's this big pile of rocks about? They can tell him, they can tell them, well, son, r- remember? Here is where we cross. God parted the water. It built up. It, it was building up on this side, and it, it was flowing away on the bottom side. It was every time they had a mighty act of God in their lives, they erected standing stones where the stones. So if you see them, you're you're like something. A God moment happened here. Um, that's all through Scripture, where where. Uh, Jacob, he, he set up standing stones and where it was a lot of people. And then Peter uses that same thing. Peter, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Now, you can take this some other way too, but it says, ye also as living stones, King James says light, lively, but it's, ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, I think, that's just me, but I believe Peter had that in mind. I mean, we, we build up the spiritual house. I mean, you are the rock you know, where right 
in, in, in front of the main door and somebody else may be the rock in the back wall. We together as a church build God's dwelling place. That's his point. But I also think that Jesus, that Peter had, had, had something else in mind. He said, you are living stones. And Peter came from a, a culture where they erected standing stones for every God moment that happened. A major God, God moment. And that's always something that even now, if something happens in, in my life, I like to, to, to do something around home. That every time I see that, I remember what happened two years ago. Okay? And, and, and I think Peter had the same thing in mind. He said, you are living stones. Now, we all have a God moment in, in our life. When God came in and changed this wicked sinner and gave us his own personal, his own spirit to keep us from sin, to live above sin, and to be an instrument in his king, kingdom here upon the earth. That's the moment that a miracle happened in my, my life. Okay, now I am changed. I am not the same. Now I am walking around in this life as a living stone. When people see me, they're like, what happened? You're not the same. You used to follow sports. What, 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 what happened? then I have the opportunity of telling them. And I, I wonder sometimes if my, if my living stoneness, if it has something a little like that, if my, my calling to be a living stone where somebody can see that I had a God moment in my life it becomes so void, they don't see even that something happened. And I think, I think Peter was hinting at that. And, and the, the, the challenge that I want to leave with you is don't be afraid to be a bold, tall, wide, huge living stone. Because God wants people who are changed and who have a passion and a zeal for Him and are not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, there's one other, actually two other p- p- parables well, one, actually two miracles that Jesus did that I want to share with you in closing of Eastern thinking. Um, I know I have 15 minutes, but this may take 15 minutes. Okay, Jesus, there, there is a, a, a parable in Scripture that I never understood. Okay, and then I'm, I'm not saying I understand every parable, but... There's one that always, if I, ever, if, if I dare to say, seems sort of weird to me, it was. Why did Jesus take this blind man in the city of Bethsaida and led the poor guy outside of town and spit on the floor, on the dust, and made spittle and made, and rubbed it on his eyes? And he opened his eyes and Jesus said, what do you see? And he said, I see men walking as trees. Then he touched him again and he saw everything clearly. Now, that miracle was given to a Jew who does not believe in Christ and asked, what was Jesus trying to say there? Now remember, Jesus was a Jew. Jesus taught 
like a Jew because he was teaching to Jews. What? And a Jew told us this, what really happened. He said, what happened before this? He knew. I mean, they know it, but they, he just wanted to know if, if we knew it. He said, what happened just before this story? Well, if you go back two stories, Jesus was crossing the Jordan River. Excuse me. The Sea of, of Galilee. And he was going over to feed the 4,000. The, 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 the now imagine, we always take, I mean, this miracle here, it's great. I mean, we, we, we believe it, but do we really understand what it took here? There were 12 followers of Jesus. And 4,000 people without men, without children, and women. Let's say the least. Let, let's just stay with that number because there's a reason why he wants that 4,000. 4, but let's say 4,000. Divide 4,000 by 12. What do you got, John? I don't know. Huh? Okay. Close to 500, not? Or is that the 5,000? Okay, 330. Every disciple had to serve 333 folks. If there were 4,000. 4, okay. Jesus came over there and he, and he was teaching. And one of the guys said, hey, tell them to, 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 to go home. Because we ain't got nothing to eat and they're hungry. Jesus said, what do we got? And guys uh, said, a, a few loaves and a few, uh, four, seven loaves and a few small fish. And he said, bring them here. And you all know. And he blessed that to the point where it multiplied. Now, I always try to figure this out. I, don't, I do not know when he sliced the one in the loaf, did the other end just keep going? Or how that multiplied, I, I don't know. But it multiplied, okay? It multiplied to the point where they fed over 4,000 folks on a hillside that is very, very, very steep. I stood there on that hillside where the Bible puts him, and it says they sat on the hillside, and there is not a flat place there. Okay, then Jesus said, all right, go, go serve them. So they went around, and every one of them fed 333. Then they came back. Jesus said, all right, now go gather up. 333 each. They came back with seven big, in Hebrew it's called kafinos, bushel baskets full of food left over. It started with seven loaves and two fish. Okay. Jesus said, all right, guys. Get in the boat. Okay. Before I, I go on, I want to ask you one, one, one thing. How many of you, including me, ever worry about one thing in life? Raise, raise your hand. Okay, we all do. I worry about issues in life. Jesus said, all right, guys, get back in the boat. Let's go over. So they came in the boat, and Jesus laid in the back, started sleeping. 
And the disciples started to argue. Now, does anybody, can anybody tell me what were they arguing about? Anybody know? They argued about who's the greatest twice, but that's not then. He said, who brought the bread? We forgot our lunch. And look at Jesus' words sometime. He said, do you have eyes and cannot see? Do you have, and this is the exact words he said, do you have ears and cannot hear? Turn right, Peter. So Peter turns right, and he goes up into Bethsaida. They were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. i got a map here. But they were going, and he turned right. And Jesus went into Bethsaida, got a blind guy by the hand, and led him outside of town. Then he'd done that. He made spittle, rubbed it on the guy's eyes, didn't say a word to his to his disciples that the Bible says. Rubbed it on the poor guy's eyes. Now, I believe that that miracle was to heal him too. But Jesus was making a statement here. He was, and by the way, this story was brought to us, and I told, by a Jew who does not believe that Jesus is the true one. But he said that's clearly what Jesus was doing. He got the blind guy, led him outside of town, and healed him. And, his, and I see his 12 standing there behind him, eyes as big as saucers watching him because he's not saying a word. And he says, uh, sir, what do you see? And he says, uh, I see men walking as trees. And he touched him again. And he saw everything clearly. And I see his 12 going, oh, we get it. Jesus was talking to them. And he's saying that i done this miracle. I fed the 5,000 over here about a half a mile. And I fed the 4,000 right, right there. You were, you, you were with me. You fed about over 400 at the first time, 300 the second time. And you're concerned about what you're going to eat. It didn't do you a bit of good. You're like this blind man. He's healed, but he don't see clearly. And then Jesus touched him again. And he could have said, you're blind. But he, he didn't. He asked them, do you have eyes and cannot see? And he painted them a picture in total Jewish fashion of who they are. Now, that was brought to us by a Jew. Now, we would have never caught, caught that, what Jesus w- w- was doing. Now, the fact that he led the poor guy outside of town shows me it was not for the town folks. It was for his tribe. Now, one more, one more thing. Why is, okay, in the Jewish structure, school structure, they don't have, if they do school, they don't say 12 minus 10 equals 2. 1 through 5,000, 1 through 50, every number has a, a, a biblical event, then from 50 to 100. To, I'm not sure what they all are, I just know a few. But they have a biblical event that that happened. Okay? And it's not that hard. Like one God. One is always God. Two tablets. um, Three patriarchs. Four ends of the earth. uh, Five books of Moses. uh, You have ten spies and twelve tribes. So if they do math, they never say twelve minus ten equals two. They say 
tribes minus spies equals, then everybody says, tablets. That's how they do math. They are learning the Bible and math at the same time. Numbers to them are very, very <laughs> important. Jesus was feeding, Jesus fed the 5,000 five, 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 five in the land of, well, if I, if, I don't know, can we see it on the map? I'll try and show you here, because it's very hard for me to explain this without you seeing it. Okay, the Sea of Galilee is up way, way up north. And that was the land of the 12 tribes. But the Sea of Galilee, the northern part, was uh, Naphtali and uh, Zebulun were uh, up, up north. But the Dead Sea, well, no, by the Sea of Galilee to the east of the Sea of Galilee was the land of the seven. Okay? It was the seven pagan nations. Jesus went there that I, I, I can find in Scripture three times. That's the land of the seven. And here is the, the, the reason they call it the land of the seven. And to this day, in Jewish, in, in, in Jewish books, they referred to the land of the pagans, to the land of, of the seven. Jesus healed 5,000 in the land of the twelve. And he, he, excuse me, he fed 5,000 in the land of the twelve. Twelve tribes. Went over and fed 4,000 in the land of the seven. They say the seven pagan nations come when the, when the, the Israelites came, over to the, came to the Jordan River in, in Joshua 3 and crossed over the Jordan River. They had to, uh, to kill the, uh, the sites and the sites and the sites and the sites and the sites. There were seven sites that they had to ch chase out. They say that that's where the seven tribes went to because that place is so evil. That's where they, they sacrifice pigs. Well, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so true, sure that's true, but that's, that was the, the, the picture they have. They refer to that as the land of the seven. Jesus went over into the land of the seven and fed 4,000. And it was in the land of the twelve and he fed 5,000 5, 5, 5, there. And after each time, he, said, he has a message of, I am the bread of life. What he was saying in typical Jewish fashion is, he is the bread of life for the 12 tribes, and also the, the bread of life for the seven nations. He is the bread of life for the, 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 for the, 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 the pagans, the ones who worship pigs. And he is the bread of life for the Israelites. But he didn't say it. He drew a, a, a picture. And they caught it. Just like that. See, I hope that I, 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 I laid a foundation. I still in your minds this morning. The Bible is an Eastern book. And by the way, discipleship and rabbis, that will be, Lord willing, my last two messages is the greatest thing. It changed my heart more than anything else that I ever learned in, in studying this. Students 
know what the rabbi knows. Disciples are what the rabbi is.